Welcome. You are listening to Audio from the Table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.com. Hey, Table Podcast listeners, grace and peace. Brett here. So good to be with you all. So we are in week four in our series titled Eastertide. This is not the end. Uh, for those unfamiliar, this um, season of Eastertide is, is basically uh, just an extended 40-day uh, time to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And so we are really joining in with um, hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world to continue to celebrate the resurrection and really to hear the invitation uh, that Christ's resurrection brings um, for each of us. So the title of my message this week is Bound and Loosed. Bound and Loosed. And uh, this is going to be really a follow-up in ways to last week uh, because I, uh, I said that the, the story of the resurrected Christ from John chapter 20, um, which we'll read again, has like a few interesting moments. This is something I had mentioned last week. Uh, like there's this moment where Jesus walks through walls and uh, and then there's the whole breathing, which is what we um, unpacked last Sunday. And so what I want to do is read the story up to that point again, and then we'll kind of press into the, the new territory. So John chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So we named last week that uh, the key insight to this, this strange moment of the breathing um, is, is basically that he's, he's giving them the very spirit which filled him. So he, he doesn't just say like, hey guys, you know, imitate me, do what I do. But in essence, he's saying, um, become who I am. So last week, we, we named it the Christian life because of this is less about a kind of clunky, external, shallow kind of imitation of Jesus uh, it's more about becoming Christ, where, where we become so utterly saturated by the Holy Spirit that it becomes very difficult to tell where we end and where God begins. As the Apostle Paul wrote, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Now, the thing is that the story doesn't end there. So let's back up again to verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Verse 22, with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now we go into the new passage. Verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And then from there, the story just moves on to another topic entirely. Now, I don't know about you, I'm very much stuck on verse 23, and personally, I would have loved some elaboration. Like, my goodness, Jesus, are you saying what it sounds like you're saying? I mean, if you forgive, they're forgiven. If you don't, oh, they're not. Like, what is this? Now, here's the thing. If you think about it, this is simply an outcome of everything 
Christ just said and did. Though I think we, we just don't really take him like super seriously. Look again at verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. I'm sending you. In other words, the very mission the father gave the son has now been entrusted to us. Now, not in the sense that like, oh, we're just doing it all on our own, but, but now that it's Christ in and through us, through the spirit. Now, this begs the question, okay, so what was the mission, the calling of Jesus? What was that all about? Well, let's name what it was not. It was not simply Jesus being filled with, with the Spirit and then just feeling so good about himself, like, oh my gosh, I'm so awesome, too bad for these other people. Of course not, no. What, what was a primary aspect, maybe not the only aspect, but a primary aspect of Christ's mission? Well, the Father sent Jesus into a world where people were bound up in guilt, shame, self-loathing, self-hatred, self-rejection, addiction, evil. And Jesus came to set them free. It reminds me of a, a sister passage um, to the one we've been reading. We've been in John 20, verse 23. Um, and you'll notice kind of a structural similarity happening in, in that one in the sister passage. The structural similarity is as below, so above. So this sister passage is Matthew 16, verse 19, where Jesus, again, looking at the disciples, said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, people have often speculated, like, whoa, what, what on earth is he talking about? What, what are the keys to the kingdom? I used to um, be very, like, charismatic and ran in some, like, Pentecostal circles. Um, this is a number of years ago. <laughs> but, uh, and we love this passage. Like, oh, yes, you have the power to loose things on earth, and they will be loosed in the heavens. And, but it was all very vague, like, as to what we were exactly talking about. Uh, I, I wonder, though, if it's actually not so, like, spiritual and mysterious and esoteric. Uh, like, if you read the two passages in light of each other, right, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Uh, if, you, if you loose someone here and now, they're loosed in heaven, right? Um, what, what, what might this be saying? I, I think they inform, these two passages inform one another. You might say that to be forgiven is in some sense to be bound up. It's to be constricted, choking on our guilt, our shame, self-loathing. But to be forgiven, oh, friends, that is a moment of loosing, of freedom. And church, we are called to set people free. Now, it's very easy to read John 20, 23, and to be a bit weirded out about the whole, uh, if you do not forgive sins, then they are not forgiven. That part probably stood out to you, <laughs> as I kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, I think this is particularly difficult for us in the West because um, we have like a very, very strong sense of individualism. You know, it's just, it's just me, and I'm like metaphysically, spiritually, in every way, I'm just sort of cut off from others. And, you know, if I, like, say a mean word or something, I might impact someone. But other than that, like, I'm just on my own. Uh, however, 
I wonder if, um, I actually preached on this a few months back, that I wonder if our bodies emotionally, um, this is certainly the case, neurologically it seems to be the case, and, and I would go further and say metaphysically, um, ontologically in terms of our very being, um, spiritually, what if we are more connected than we realize? And what if we really do have this like power to, at some level, um, not like ultimately, I, I think ultimately God is the final judge, but what if there is some power given us to either choose to like keep people in some sense bound or to set them free? Now, on a more positive note, remember the context of verse um, of this passage, beginning in verse 21, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Now, how did the Father send the Son? In other words, what was the heart posture of Jesus towards people in need of forgiveness? Because I think this comes up or, or becomes very essential to understanding the whole, if you forgive, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. Uh, like, in other words, did Jesus carve up the world into the forgiven and those he would not forgive? Like, sort of find me the people who are so far gone in the Gospels that the love of Christ was not available to them. Who, who was it exactly that Jesus said, uh, you know what, nope, nope, not for you. Uh, I'm, I'm deciding to keep you bound up. <laughs> like, find me those people. Uh, was it the demon-possessed people he encountered? Like those, you, I mean, you could imagine if there was like an extreme case of someone just, oh man, they're really consumed by evil. Uh, did he say like, oh yeah, okay, that's that's real bad. Um, sorry, you got to stay bound. Like, no, no, he said, you are loosed. Was it uh, Peter who denied him? No, he set him free. Was it the disciples who all ran away? We just finished Lent, and so we're very familiar with all the stories around the cross. Like, what, what, how did Jesus respond to them after they abandoned him when he was arrested? Like, as we just saw, actually, in this passage, he, he walks through that wall, appears to the disciples, and his first words, peace be with you. Was it Judas, the ultimate betrayer? Again, no. In fact, Jesus, knowing what Judas would do, served him the first communion. This is my body broken for you, Judas. This is my blood shed for you. Church, I am never more like Christ than in the moment I speak a word of forgiveness over another. Because that is who Jesus was, and he came to set people free. And, and here's the remarkable calling. Church, what a, oh my goodness, what a vertigo-inducing mind-boggling, wondrous, lofty calling we have been given. As the Father sent Jesus, so you are being sent. In fact, did you know uh, this is why we don't close the service each week by saying, um, well, everyone, it's over. You can leave now. No, we don't do that. Instead, how do we close the service? We close it with what's known as a benediction. 
And a benediction is a little bit misunderstood. People often think of it as like a prayer, you know, a closing prayer to close out the service. Uh, it is actually not a prayer. You'll notice the, the person who gets up front to, to speak this over the congregation, they don't lift their eyes up to the heavens and speak to God. Who are they speaking to? You. And, and what's a benediction about? A, it's a reminder of identity. In our own benediction, we say, you are a child of God. In fact, we say it twice just for emphasis. You are a child of God. And then what happens? It's a sending. You are being sent back into the world like every week. And why is that? Because as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, as someone who in ways is like a proxy for Christ, because you have the spirit of God within you, every day you and I move through the world and we are either binding or loosing. Binding or loosing. Choosing to forgive. Choosing to restore. Choosing to offer life and healing or not. Now, I know uh, forgiveness, especially in more uh, kind of progressive theological circles and churches. I, I know it's uh, pretty wildly out of fashion right now, and I do understand um, the reasons. There's many. Um, some of it's, I think, a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Uh, sometimes people, the way it's deployed at times is as though if you forgive, that means there's no boundaries. Um, or as though forgiveness is the exact same thing as reconciliation and you're just best friends forever. Uh, or at times the way forgiveness is deployed almost in a way where it's like a way around injustice. Um, so certainly forgiveness can be used and abused, uh, especially when we like push it on people, like rushing them to forgive. But, but it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't actually say like, you must forgive, you have to forgive. He, what, what does he do? Really, honestly, he just reminds us of our power. Again, every day we move through the world and we have some level of power. Like the degree to which that's true, there's some mystery there. But that we have it uh, seems to be clear. And I think what's so beautiful about this passage and really the example of Christ is that, that he guides us towards a proper head and heart space as we move through what you all know is a very difficult world. But the calling is to move through it in a way as Christ did. Um, the former Archbishop of South Africa um, in the Anglican Church, uh, Desmond Tutu, was a man who, he knew something about both um, justice and a pursuit of justice and forgiveness all at the same time because uh, he dealt with racial apartheid and injustice and, I mean, all sorts of things in his own country. Um, and he has this quote. He wrote actually a beautiful book with his daughter. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I think it's called The Book of Forgiveness. But this is a quote um, where he says, Forgiveness is truly the grace by which we enable another person to get up and get up with dignity to begin anew. I love that quote, first because it has such resonance with the binding and loosing language um, and imagery that we've been using throughout this message. Um, although it's sort of a different spatial metaphor, instead of you know bound and loosed here, it's uh, keeping someone sort of on the ground, under your heel, so to speak. Um, and instead you're allowing them to get up 
So I love that imagery. But second, I love this language of begin anew. To begin anew. You know, that may sound like, oh my gosh, you're just letting people off the hook. Um, which if you actually know Desmond Tutu, you know, that's no, that's not, that's not the case. Um, but it's, it is interesting that that same charge was actually what the religious leaders sort of brought against Jesus. Like, you can't do this, man. You're just going around letting all these terrible sinners off the hook. Like, how are they ever going to grow up if they aren't shamed? <laughs> but what is, what is this miss? Um, I'll close with this example. A new author I really appreciate is a former Anglican priest. He's now a, a scholar of religion and a practicing psychotherapist. His name's Mark Vernon. If you get my e-letters, you've seen a few links to him. Um, and he said this. He said, in his opinion, therapy begins, always has to begin, in an atmosphere of forgiveness. In other words, he says, someone like walks through the door and his mode is, okay, look, everything is forgiven. Now, can we start to talk about what actually brought you to the place of this brokenness and how you might begin to grow and heal and mature beyond it? In other words, like we often want forgiveness to be the end of the road of people's growth and maturity. Like once they jump through all the hoops and really change and transform and become someone totally different, then I'll forgive because like, okay, they've earned it. But you can see the Christian logic is much more in line with Mark Vernon here. Every day I'm moving through the world and there's 10,000 opportunities for resentment and bitterness and offense and on and on we could go. And you know what? We could keep people bound up, but we're called to more. We're called to begin to set them free, to invite them to grow and mature into the very image of the one who made them and loves them. And church, this is the lofty calling we have been given. So, so let's be a loosing church. What, what could God do with a loosing church, a loosing people? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.